0: Welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. Who you
1: are.
0: Today, we are going to look at a necessary part of our bodies, blood. Our blood is teeming with life, and all our organs depend on it for survival. If our blood is this powerful, how much more so is the blood of Jesus that can cleanse us from all sins? is part one of cheryl's message titled the importance of blood
1: so i want to talk to you about something that you all possess you all have what i'm about to talk to you about you all have this and some of you at the sight of it get very squeamish like Ugh. and but you have it you have it but if you see it it will make you squeamish Some of you might even faint if what's inside of you gets outside of you because it's blood. You all have blood. And maybe because you get squeamish is because if you bleed up, your life bleeds out because there is life in your blood. Your blood is teeming with life. Inside of your body, you have over 30 trillion blood cells. And it's all contained, and get this, one to one and a half gallons of blood. In that small amount of blood, you have over 30 trillion blood cells. And of those, there's three different types of blood cells. The red blood cells, the white blood cells, And platelets. And these three types of blood cells are in a river of plasma that travels throughout your entire body via veins, capillaries, and arteries. Every single organ in your body is dependent on blood. You cannot survive without blood. Your brain can't survive without blood. Your heart can't survive without blood. Your lungs can't survive without blood. Your big toe can't survive without blood. Neither can your little toe, not your baby finger, not one part of your body can survive without blood. Now, a red blood cell lives an average of 120 days. And during that time, it will circulate through your body at least 173,000 times. And that's if you're sedentary. That's if you just want to sit down all the time and go, let the blood just flow. But if you exercise, it might even circulate more times. It takes a red blood cell about 60 seconds to circulate throughout your entire body. 30 seconds if you're exercising really, really hard. The red blood cell delivers oxygen and nutrients to every part of your body. And at the same time as it's delivering these vital nutrients, oxygen and other nutrients, it's picking up waste and debris, poisonous carbon dioxide. And if the red blood cell wasn't picking up the carbon dioxide, you would die. You would be poisoned. But it picks up these toxins, even as it's delivering the life-giving oxygen. And then the red blood cell returns to the lungs, where it dumps it out. And the lungs exhale the carbon dioxide, And then that red blood cell travels to the lungs, the other part of the lungs where it receives oxygen. Then it's sent to the heart and the heart then pumps it, like propels it throughout the whole body. I'm sorry, it goes to the one part of the heart where it's sent to the lungs to get the oxygen supply, gets it, you know, exhales, then gets the oxygen supply, then goes to the heart, then the heart propels it throughout the body propels it throughout the body, where it then goes on a long journey again throughout your whole system. Your white blood cells are on the hunt constantly for bacteria, disease, germs, and even cancer cells. All the time, they're looking for it. And when they find one, there's a spy. There's a white blood cell spy, and it goes in and it eats it. And it actually devours up one of these germs or one of these cancer cells. It takes it into itself and it makes a replica of it and goes to the T-cells. And in the T-cells, it makes the perfect anti-weapon to fight against whatever that disease or bacteria or cancer cell is. It makes the perfect defense, the the perfect counter weapon to take that thing down. And then what it does is it gets all the weaponry and it comes back and it passes that out to the other white blood cells and says, we got this one, guys, let's do it. But the white blood cells actually eat up the disease and die in the process of getting rid of these germs and these toxins and these cancers. Then there's platelets. And when you begin to bleed, the platelets, through a hundred-step chain reaction, come in and build a defense or a shield over the wound so the white blood cells can begin to do their work of protecting from infection and fighting infection. But it builds what we would call a scab is the platelets all clotting together. But at the same time, they're clotting on your skin. There's anticoagulants inside that are keeping it from clotting inside a vein or an artery or a capillary, keeping the blood flowing so it can continue to, to heal in that place. In other words, it's like this seal. It keeps the blood in. But all of this, all of this, is traveling in this incredible river that we call plasma. It's the river that the blood cells are carried throughout your body. And this river or plasma has hormones and nutrients and vitamins that it is giving to your body system as it goes along. And and it's so incredible that the, the capillaries in your body are formed just so that they can let out nutrients, but they can keep out toxins. It's just this incredible filtration and and giving system. I mean, it's just amazing. One scientist said if you could cut a capillary open and you could put it under a microscope, it would look like a busy street in India with all the activity that is flowing. It's just the capillary. But this plasma river also, this river of blood, it keeps your body hormonally regulated and keeps the temperature regulated. Keeps your body all the same temperature. It also allows for absorption of vital minerals and vitamins and hormones into every system of your body. Something interesting about blood It cannot be manufactured. Science has created artificial hearts, artificial limbs, and they have been trying for years and years to create a blood substitute. Because if they could create a blood substitute, they wouldn't have to worry about infected blood at all. I was talking to Ellie this morning And she was talking about how she loves to give blood. I am not allowed to ever give blood, nor is Brian. And you know why? Or my children. We can never be blood donors. Because between 1996 and the year 2000, we lived in England and we ate meat. And there is the possibility in our blood of mad cow disease. So we can never give blood. We are banned forever from giving blood. Just because of, you know, we didn't know it. I don't know. We might have been vegans if we'd known that this would be the eventuality. But we got a craving for McDonald's. And now we can never get blood. But science has yet to create a replica of blood. It can't. It can't. transfusion of blood from another human being with a compatible blood type can save a life. In fact, in the when they first began to experiment with blood transfusions, a lot of people died because they tried to use animal blood. And they found that animal blood is absolutely poisonous to a human system. In fact, it's called poison um, in the annals. There is only one universal blood type, you probably know that already, and it's O negative. And it's considered the universal blood type. Anyone with any type of blood can have O negative blood given to them in a transfusion. Blood cells are manufactured in the bone marrow. And when a blood cell is first created, it has a nucleus. But as the red blood cell matures, it loses its nucleus that it might carry more iron hemoglobin that can bind with the oxygen, and it allows the red blood cells to flow through all the veins and all the arteries and all the capillaries with the maximum amount of oxygen for your body. And hemoglobin or iron, it's amazing because it, it attracts the oxygen. It allows the cell to hold on to the oxygen, but it also allows the cell to release the oxygen. Now, I find this fascinating only because when my dad had his stroke, he went totally powerless on the left side. He lost all ability to feel or to to move his right hand or his left hand on the left side. And so when he was at the hospital, we kept praying for mobility again to come to the left side. And I remember because um, when he did begin to get his mobility back, he said it was just, everything was so heavy. You know, he had to lift his hand and he had to lift his foot and everything was so heavy. And so my daughter introduced him to Facebook you know, like, here, Grandpa, since you're stuck at home, here's something you can do. And he's like, oh, Facebook, never heard of this, you know? So she got him on Facebook. She set him up with an account. And she said, now, Grandpa, write a story. And so my dad, it, because his hand was so heavy, and it kept hitting all these keys. And he'd be like, my dad, the worst he could ever say was rats. And he kept hitting the keys. We kept you know, doing it, and he'd have to delete. And he'd be like, rats, rats rat. <laughs> that, that's bad. So anyway, it took him four hours to write this story about this parrot that we had when I was a child. I don't know why he chose the story of the parrot that bit Romaine on the ear, but he did. And it took him four hours to write this story about this parrot. And he had just finished the story he within 10 minutes, he had 2,000 people that had read it. And he looked at it, he goes, close it down, I can't do this. (laughs) But I remember that he could catch a ball, but he couldn't release it. He could catch it, but he couldn't release it. And it's the iron in the red blood cell, and because it shed its nucleus, that it can bind with the oxygen, but it can also release the oxygen. Amazing. Now, the spleen collects any deformed or malfunctioning blood cells and removes them from the bloodstream. Life cannot exist without this life-giving substance. And as Leviticus 17.11 tells us, for the life of the flesh is in the blood." And God said, "And I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. Why? Because the blood has life. James Harrison, a name you might not be familiar with, and I know I wasn't before, he was he is, he's still alive in Australian. And when he was 13 years old, he received a blood transfusion. And so when he turned 19, he made a vow that because this blood transfusion saved his life, he would give blood from that day forward. Well, something interesting was discovered about the blood of James Harrison. It had this incredible antibody in the blood itself that was able to kill and destroy rhesus disease in babies. So any baby infected with rhesus disease was given a small transfusion of James Harrison's blood. And that baby then had all the white blood cells, had the information then to kill the rhesus and get rid of it. To date, over 2 million babies have been saved by the blood of James Harrison. And that blood, that type of blood, is called an overcomer's blood. Amazing. Hebrews 9 15 through 22 tells us that Jesus, by means of his blood, think about it. If your blood has this type of power to sustain your life, to get rid of toxins, to kill disease, your tainted blood, or your mad cow blood, as in my case, still has the ability to keep your body functioning, to enable you to walk and move and breathe and have being, how much more the blood of Jesus Christ is untainted, pure blood. It mediated a new covenant for us. Jesus is the mediator, the go-between, The goel, if you would have it, of a new covenant between God and man. Only Jesus could mediate such a covenant. In the book of Job, Job laments and says, Oh, if only there was somebody who could plead my case before God. Job realized, I'm not worthy to go before God, but I wish I had somebody to represent me before God. And then come and tell me what God wants or what God feels, or what God requires. I need a mediator. And that mediation that we desperately need was met in Jesus Christ. And it's his blood that initiated the new covenant, ratified the new covenant, and guarantees the new covenant. Every covenant in the Old Testament, was initiated, or brought to being, and ratified by blood. In verses sixteen through seventeen of Hebrews chapter nine, we're told about the will. That a will does not come into being is not really effective. It's just there. It's just a. It's just a desire. It's it's just a bequeathment until the person who wrote the will dies. And then the benefits of that will are passed to the beneficiaries, but not before the death of the person who did it. So he says, Jesus wrote out a will. He wrote out a will and all that he earned, all that he merited, all that was his by right of being the son of God, the glory of God himself. All that wealth, all that prestige, he willed to us, to those who believed on his name. In John chapter 17, we have a copy of the last will and testament of Jesus Christ. And then to make that happen, Jesus died. That all the benefits that belong to Jesus might become ours. The author of Hebrews tells us that this first covenant, according to verses 18 through 21, were dedicated by blood. After Moses announced the conditions of the first covenant, he took water, hyssop, and scarlet wool and sprinkled the book of the law, the people, the tabernacle, and the vessels of the tabernacle. In other words, he put all of these things under one blood. One blood covered everything. It wasn't that he used a goat's blood for the tabernacle, a bull's blood for the people, a lamb's blood for the vessels of the tabernacle. No, it was one animal's blood that covered it all. Now, the other sacrifices, they required other animals' But that was different. But this sanctifying blood, this ratifying blood, this covenant-initiating blood, it covered everything. Absolutely everything. And therefore, it bound the people, the priests, the tabernacle, the vessels in the tabernacle, all under one covenant— One blood. This is the way Moses initiated, ratified, and placed all the people under the agreement and purified all the substances in order to have this agreement with God. So the question is why blood? Why blood? Well, I started out with telling you how wonderful blood was so you could understand a little bit why blood? Because Blood is life-giving and life-sustaining. Every two seconds in the United States of America, the country I live in, somebody needs a blood transfusion. Oh, somebody needs a blood transfusion. Oh, somebody needs a blood transfusion. Somebody needs a blood transfusion. Somebody needs a blood transfusion. Do you get it? Somebody's life every two seconds is being saved, sustained by a blood transfusion because blood has the ability to give life, sustain life, purify the body from toxins and to promote life and even to impart disease-fighting antigens into the bloodstream and the system of somebody. Blood is also the penalty of breaking the covenant. God was saying with this ratification, if somebody breaks this covenant, the only way, the only payment is blood. And it must be the blood of an innocent. That's why it was the blood of an animal and not a person. Because a person intentionally sins. A person knows they've sinned. They're not innocent. Ever since Eve ate that fruit, no one's been innocent. We're all responsible for what we did. Before she had the knowledge of good and evil, she wasn't aware of sin or aware of of what would be sin. But once she ate that and had the knowledge of good and evil, then sin was intentional. But animals do not intentionally sin. I know Barnabas' My dog, he doesn't intentionally sin. When I say, no, Barnabas, he looks at me like, what? I did something wrong. I didn't mean to. I love you, master. In fact, Brian says he doesn't talk like that. It's not what he sounds like if, if we could understand him. He says, what, Master. What is your problem? Brian gives him this noble voice we fight over sometimes or just kind of discuss what we think Barnabas' real voice sounds like. The voice we'll hear in the millennium. One of us believes we'll hear it in the millennium.
0: Jesus is our high priest and mediator of the new covenant. He lived a perfect and sinless life and is the only one who could mediate such a covenant. And he did it by his pure and perfect blood. His blood provided the necessary sacrifice for our sins and made us righteous before God. Just as blood in our bodies keeps us alive, Jesus' blood makes us spiritually alive by atoning for our sins and restoring our relationship with God. We hope you have been blessed by today's Bible study. For more information about the Gracious Words radio program and the teaching ministry of Cheryl Broderson, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, we'll look closer at the power of blood as we continue our series, Our Great Faith in the Book of Hebrews with Cheryl Broderson. We do hope you make plans to join us. Again, for more information, please visit our website at graciouswords.com.